0: Hello and good morning. It's Tuesday, the 9th of October, 2018, and we're back. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only weekly podcast dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. Today, the feds embrace autonomous cars in a big way. Might autonomous cars and pedestrians collide in cities, and cruise automation wins again with nearly $3 billion this time from Honda. All this right now. But first, we need to take a step back to September 21, because rather embarrassingly, that was the last time we did Friday poll day. And I promised we'd step back and discuss this briefly, because I asked the simple question, did you watch the entire Joe Rogan, Elon Musk interview? And I said that you'll see next week why I'm asking. Well, of course, next week, now two weeks ago has come and gone, and obviously we didn't discuss it. So very briefly then, let me just say what I'm on about here. Um, so the the results of the poll, admittedly, not too many data points on this one for some reason, but it was a pretty binary split. Uh, 57% said yes, all of it. 43% said no, and I don't intend to. Um, by the way, as an aside, when these polls run, head over to twitter.com slash Autonomous to cast your vote, because the more people cast their vote, well, frankly, the more interesting this is for everybody. But but, but here's why this is important. Um, I'm just going to say it. Uh, I think this is going to go down in history as not only one of the longest two and a half hour interviews, but most importantly, one of the most crucially important, thought-provoking, awe-inspiring just mind-meltingly fascinating discussion between two people in the history of humanity. I just uh, I, I think it's really really important. Obviously, because this is a show uh, on autonomous cars, and obviously because Elon Musk certainly has led the way towards the development and rollout of autonomous cars into our world. I just think, if only as sort of a tangential aside, that you do yourselves a favor, give it a listen. It is obviously very long. Um, you know, so maybe split it up over several days as I did. But, but here's the thing that I wanted to get at. What really upset me is that, you know, this thing's, again, two and a half hours long. And for some reason, and what a sad, I should say, tragic reflection of our society that people really spent so much time and energy fussing over the fact that, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, there was maybe three or four minutes of the show dedicated to the fact that he uh, enjoyed some whiskey and took a puff of marijuana. Which, by the way, doesn't even appear that he inhaled. Never mind the fact that this is totally legal in California. But putting all this aside, I just, this is really sad that that, that this is kind of one of the big takeaways from what's otherwise, as I say, one of the most astonishing conversations between two people that I've ever heard. Um, but anyway, give it a listen. I really think that if you care so much about autonomous cars as to listen to this podcast, you really kind of owe it to yourself to listen to that interview between elon musk and joe rogan anyway this is neither really here nor there Uh, and in any event we got to dive in and get started with today's episode so here we go then So, the Feds are finally getting serious about autonomous cars, and this time I mean it in a good way. And when I say good, I mean a bit more sort of hands-off. Incredibly, it looks like they've sort of decided that, well, they don't really know what's what, and they are not the ones to kind of make decisions on what technology is going to prevail and what isn't. To uh, reference a direct quote, apparently... um, well, the U.S. Transportation Secretary, Elaine Chao, said, uh, quote-unquote, the government is not the best place to choose which technology to succeed and which technology to fail. This from a report over at Autoblog. Um, this is really great, but here's what it actually means. Um, so so first of all, this this uh, this guidance, uh, which is what it's called, it's a federal guidance, uh, it's titled Preparing for the Future of Transportation, uh, Automated Vehicles 3.0. And the general tone is sort of a shift from more restrictive regulation really towards voluntary guidance. If that sounds about as vague and ambiguous as it does to me, well, it seems like you're on the right track, because that is precisely what it is. The feds are basically saying, look, we want to kind of stay hands off and really let the states and <clears throat> the uh, the companies developing this technology to decide what's best. The idea being that some sort of you know market forces will kind of result in the optimal balance between... Um, sort of furthering technological development and and the actual rollout, um, along with balancing the very obvious needs for safety. So, yeah, so the only limitations apparently are going to be state-imposed. Also relaxed will be the arguably highly illogical imposition upon truly driverless cars with otherwise human-driven car regulations. So in plain English, what this really means is that, well, there's not going to be any more regulation explicitly imposed uh, whether cars must have things like, well, you know, basic human necessities like a steering wheel and pedals, though presumably they will probably still require a seatbelt because physics. Um, now, it looks like uh, critics are obviously going to point to the glaring omission regarding so-called voluntary self-assessments. Um, if you haven't heard about these, well, there's a good reason for these. Um, <laughs> part of the problem being that they are, well, voluntary. These are... Well, required, obviously not really required uh, by automakers to detail any sort of incidents while testing their AVs. I'm pretty sure we actually reported on this way back in the earliest days of this show. uh, And so I guess February or March, um, the idea was that, well, automakers had to submit formal official sort of incident reports, as it were, when things went wrong, uh, including but not limited to things like sort of disengagement of autopilot because it couldn't function safely Uh, all the way on up to things like, you know, colliding with bicyclists in intersections. Thing is, though, these have been, well, voluntary, and as a result, really just four companies – Ford, Neuro, Waymo, and GM – have submitted any such assessments, and, well, they tend to be more of sort of informal slide decks rather than official documents, so it's not like there's anything really being lost here in the first place. In any event, this is a really big deal because I think what it means, if I've properly understood this, is that going forward, we're going to see, frankly, much sort of greater flexibility uh, due to this hands-on, or excuse me, this hands-off nature of the federal government. Um, Now, obviously, this doesn't mean that there won't be potential backlash from states themselves, which may be able to enforce stricter kind of regulations, as it were. But um, speaking of which, another side effect to all this, though, is that, uh, well, prior to this announcement, there were really just 10 uh, areas throughout the country which had been designated autonomous car proving grounds. Well, now the entire country is fair game. Again, limitations to be imposed only by the states. So, so, yeah, I guess the short takeaway is federal government hands off, states totally hands on, let the car companies and technology startups really dictate kind of the best way to go about all this. So, I don't know, unless I'm missing something here, I think this is a really great thing. Obviously, please do chime in with your thoughts and opinions. My assumption is that, again, unless I'm missing something here, my assumption is that most of you will probably agree this is a really great step forward. But uh, as always, do let me know, reach out on Twitter, shoot me a voicemail on the anchor.fm platform or reach out to me through our website using the contact form. Let's discuss this. I think it's a really, really awesome thing. Speaking of Twitter, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Autonomous Hogue, that's A-U-T-O-N-O-M-O-U-S-H-O-A-G. And of course our website, MarkHogue.com, M-A-R-C-H-O-A-G, where you can read episode summaries and of course dive into the comment section for some engaging debate with your fellow listeners. So there's a pretty great article over at GreenBiz.com. I say great, it's um, it's great in the sense that it kind of makes me pause and think. I'm not sure whether I agree with it. The title is Safe, Efficient Self Driving Cars Could Block Walkable, Livable Communities. This article by assistant, assistant Professor of Regional Planning, Daniel Pietkowski from the University of Nebraska Lincoln. Um, before diving in, let me just start with kind of his high level uh, point here. He says, We can have a world of safe, efficient, driverless cars. Or we can have a world where people can walk, bike, and take transit in high-quality, human-scaled communities. Simply put, then, it sounds like what he's saying is, look, we can either have self-driving cars or we can have pedestrian-centric urban cores. So if you're kind of scratching your head as I am, um, yeah, okay, that's that's good. It's nice to know I'm not alone because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the general sort of belief, the hope, the kind of wishful thinking, the future we were all looking forward to was indeed a world... uh, ushered in by fully autonomous cars which actually gave far more freedom to pedestrians right so for example um well parking lots would no longer be a thing right because these cars wouldn't need to be parked they could drive around pick up other passengers um and so these could be the, these you know parking lots around cities and and especially in suburbia could be repurposed for big open spaces um even just the parking lanes on dense urban streets, think downtown New York, San Francisco, these could be extended for use by, uh, you know, sidewalk extensions, outdoor cafes, that sort of thing. But now this this article is suggesting that in fact, we're, you know, this is kind of the wrong way to look at it, that we've all been sort of misled and that we're missing a very important point that in fact autonomous cars are going to sort of be at odds with what pedestrians want. Um so this is really interesting, and we should kind of dive into what you know what this professor is on about, because I think I I, I just don't think that I agree. Let's talk about it. Alright, so the crux of his argument seems to be best summarized by the well known concept, the tragedy of the commons. So the example that he gives is this. Um so imagine that you live in a town and some usually some people ride their bikes, but now suppose that all people decide to ride their bikes. It's a beautiful spring afternoon, he, as he says. And, and so now, because all the bicyclists are on the streets, and because all the streets are populated by fully autonomous cars that, for sake of simplicity in this argument, are essentially infallible. They simply will not strike, injure, let alone kill any pedestrian or bicyclist. Um, well, so what happens is that all these bicyclists end up just flooding the streets because they know that they're not going to be struck and killed by an autonomous car. The result? Well, the autonomous cars can't get from A to B very well, or alternatively, they have to use alternate paths, which may be suboptimal for some other reason. <clears throat> for example, they may suffer the Waze Syndrome. For those of you not intimately aware, uh, the Waze Syndrome is kind of what it sounds like, where people rely entirely on Waze, the, the, fan, the otherwise really fantastic app for navigation, um, which effectively ends up rerouting people through what should be residential-only zones? So once quiet residential streets are now totally clogged up with traffic, finding alternate routes um, rather than the usual main thoroughfares. Anyway, the, the so so the the idea here is, I guess, the argument is that that you can kind of either you're going to have autonomous cars which have free reign to drive down their you know down the streets unimpeded by pedestrians and bicyclists, or because bicyclists and pedestrians know that the autonomous cars will not hit them, well, then they're not going to really care where they go. Now, obviously, I know what you're thinking. And to be fair, um, this article addresses that point that, indeed, we would just simply have to have, you know, dedicated or I should say restricted areas for different types of, of people, right? So pedestrians and bicyclists simply wouldn't be allowed to use the, <clears throat> the larger boulevards for autonomous cars. And similarly, the autonomous cars wouldn't be allowed to use the streets dedicated to pedestrians and bicyclists in my mind, that's kind of the end of the argument. That's that's just where it stops. I don't really see the big deal. Um, and again, as pointed out in the, arg- in the article, of course, we've got similar restrictions with respect to, say, jaywalking. You know, People aren't allowed to jaywalk for very particular reasons. That said, this does kind of go back and kind of reopen what seems to be somewhat a comical can of worms, but I think it's quite serious, is how do you prevent, well, malicious actions against autonomous cars? I mean, if people know that autonomous cars will simply not strike and injure or kill a pedestrian, then what's to stop a bunch of, say, you know, criminals from stepping out in front of an autonomous car, circling, encircling it, and simply causing it, forcing it, compelling it to come to a stop so they can then carry out some crime, break into the car, injure the occupants inside, so on and so forth. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I, for those of you who have listened to me for a long time, I'm always a huge fan of the simple solution often being the right one. Um, what is that? Occam's razor, right? Um, and I, I just think that we're okay with having restricted areas for certain use cases, pedestrians, bicyclists, you know, they're going to have their own restricted areas. And similarly, autonomous cars will have their restricted areas in just the same way that, bikes and people can't go on freeways typically in the world, well, they're not going to be able to go on roads dedicated for autonomous cars. In fact, this kind of goes back to the point that I've made all along, which is that I think we're going to see the rollout of autonomous cars, starting with what we currently use for carpool lanes on freeways before eventually expanding into further and further lanes until entire sections of freeways will be autonomous car only. Similarly, for cities, we're going to see a similar thing. Certain streets, regions of cities will become autonomous car only before eventually you know, branching out onto the rest of the city and beyond eventually one, one day into suburbia itself. So I guess I'm kind of going in circles here now. I, I just don't really see this as being a problem. I mean, with all due respect to professor Pietkowski, I, um, look, he's been studying this stuff for a long time. Maybe I'm missing something here. And frankly, I would very much welcome his input to the show. Uh, this is an open invite. If you'd like to jump on, I'd love to have a chat with you about this and to everyone else, of course, Yeah. Let me know what you think. I mean, am I just missing something here? I don't really see this as, I don't see this as a problem. I see it as sort of imagining a problem that just won't really materialize for, you know, due to the fact it's got relatively, I think, simple solutions. So um, let me know your thoughts. Let's talk about it some more. Hey there, just a rather shameless reminder that if you enjoy this podcast, you can now support it with an easily monthly contribution in the amount of $0.99 cents per month, $4.99 or nine ninety nine per month. Just head on over to anchor.fm slash autonomous cars with Mark Hogue, hyphens between those words. You can then easily sign up and of course, cancel at any time. Thank you so much for your support either way. And to those of you who have pitched in, you know who you are. I'm immensely grateful. Thank you so much indeed. All right. To close things out for today, let's talk about GM's cruise automation. We've talked about them quite a lot on this show. I count at least five distinct episodes in which we discussed them because they are awesome. Uh, cruise automation again, just as a brief reminder, they are in my mind anyway, really kind of leading the way with autonomous car development, uh, alongside Waymo and of course in a different sort of way, Tesla. Um, but yeah, so, so, uh, cruise automation was, uh, a little startup. GM acquired them for a billion dollars. They then raised about two and a quarter billion, I guess it was, by SoftBank. Um, Let's see, back in earlier this year, I want to say May or June. Um, And now they've just received a further, wait for it, $2.75 billion, this time from Honda. So what is this money for? Well, turns out, if I understand correctly, that Honda is pretty interested in what crews are doing and as well they should be. And well, crews have got this really great head start with autonomous car tech. So Honda wants to basically invest in Cruise so that they can start building some of their own cruise-powered Hondas. So then any details on the new Cruzda or Hon Cruise? Uh, well, haven't surfaced at all, but suffice to say this is meant to be a fully realized, purpose built autonomous vehicle. So then, think, no steering wheel or pedals, large lounge seats and TV screens then. Perhaps. Maybe. We shall see. In any event, this sounds pretty exciting. Uh, Obviously, very interested to see where this goes. And um, naturally, I will touch base and let you know as I learn more in the coming months. All right. Well, there you have it. That's a wrap. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I promise to be back on Friday as always, if only to kick off our next Friday poll day. So until then, have a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.